Well, it's always fun, never gets old to do that. I mean, we're excited about new life, excited about new life, especially at this Christmas season. And we're in the midst of our Christmas series, so week two of our Christmas series. If you weren't here last week, we started this series called Good News. And we saw in this good news the birth of Jesus Christ that oftentimes God's most amazing promises and provision come through the unexpected come through the chaos. We see that in the circumstances of the birth of Jesus. And so we saw that in 1 through 7 of verse 2. And now we get to verse 8 through 16. And what Jason just read, we see the first proclamation of this good news. And so that's what I want you to look at this morning. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know your background. I don't know if you've been around the church forever. I don't know if you've heard the Christmas story Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've seen it in the movies. But I would imagine that you have some pictures in your head of what takes place, even in this scene with the shepherds. I know for me, I think about this scene, and I've read the the scripture, but I always think about this scene, and I just kind of imagine this beautiful angel coming down, glowing. The shepherds are just kind of hanging out. And they look up at this light, kind of like this light I'm looking at right now. And it's really bright, and they look up, and they say, Hi, angel. What message do you have for us today? And it's really calm and really sweet interaction. But if you actually read the text, it's a little bit different than that. And so I hope as we get into this story that we discover some different angles, some different details that maybe you haven't seen before. And so we're going to get right into it. Look at the text with me. I'm seeing spots, just like the shepherds. Um, All right. Luke 2, verse 8, you see the the shepherds, these first characters in this story. You see an angel. You see this glory of the Lord shining everywhere around them. And they are filled with what? Fear. They're filled with fear. And so we have to really understand the shepherds and kind of where they are in this story. This is the first announcement of the birth of Jesus. And this is an, an unlikely crew to make that announcement to. Some portray shepherds as despised, unclean, and even thieves, which historically is some of what we know about them. But the Bible uses shepherds in amazing ways. I mean, you think about King David was a shepherd of the Old Testament. You think about Jesus talking about using an illustration of a shepherd that leaves the 99 to go find the one. And so we always, and even as I read commentators, I was tempted to just talk about shepherds being so lowly, being thieves, being people that in the court of law, if they were the only eyewitness, if they were the only testimony, it would get thrown out. That that's how lowly shepherds were considered. And I was tempted to to go right into that and portray the shepherds that way because I think that is true historically. But when you look at the Bible, why does the Bible always use shepherds? If they're so lowly, if they're so scandalous, why does the Bible always use them in so significant ways? And I think it's because of this. They are the lowly. They are the humble. They are the unimportant. They are the ignored at least according to the world. Do you see that? At least according to the world, that's what shepherds are, but God sees them differently. Isn't that good news? God sees the shepherds differently. He sees this lowly, this humble people. 
these ignored people, these unimportant people, and he says, you know what, I could proclaim the birth of my son to anybody, and I'm gonna proclaim it to these guys. And listen to what the angel says as, as he proclaims this good news in verse 10. Look at the verse, he says, fear not. It's the first thing he says. Isn't that great? Angel shows up, glowing light, whatever was going on, the glory of the Lord is showing behind the angel, and the first thing the angel says is, fear not. He could have said anything. He could have said, run. <laughs> right? He could have said anything, but he says, fear not. Some of you are new to church. Some of you left the church for a time. And if you're honest, the reason is fear. Fear of being known, fear of being found out, fear of what people will think of you. And maybe you're here now, and maybe you just got the courage to come back up because it's Christmas season, and that's what you do. But for a long time, you've been distant from God and distant from the church because of fear. Listen, it should encourage you this morning that the first words out of the angel's mouth are fear not. And not just the angel's mouth. It's the most repeated command in all of Scripture. Fear not. Do not fear that you can come before a God today who is holy and majestic and bigger than you can even imagine, who holds eternity in his hands. And he comes to you and he says, you don't have to be afraid. Do not fear. That should encourage us this morning. That's good news and the reason is in the second part of verse 10. The angel comes with that good news. There's good news, there's great joy that will be for all people, verse 10. So you trade this great fear for this great joy. And those are some of my favorite phrases in all of Scripture. Good news, great joy, all people. Why is that? Why is there such good news? Why is there such great joy? Why is it for all People, we see it in verse 11. We see that for unto you is born in the city of David a Savior. That that's why there's good news. That God sent a Savior into the world. But for some of us, that doesn't resonate with us. Maybe even as I say that, it doesn't really give you a lot of good news, great joy. Maybe you have known Jesus a long time and you're just kind of numb to it if you're honest. Oh, yeah, I heard that. We have Jesus. He's our Savior. I know that. I trusted in Jesus. But if you're honest, there's not a lot of great joy even when you think about that or hear about that. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Somebody brought you. We're glad you're here. But as you think about a Savior, you're like, saved from what? I mean, I know I got some things wrong with me, but I don't need to be saved. And maybe this good news, this great joy for all people doesn't resonate with you. Charles Spurgeon said this, he's an old preacher and theologian. He said, too many think lightly of sin and therefore think lightly of the Savior. That to get the glory of the good news, you have to understand the gravity of the bad news. To truly understand a doctrine of salvation, you have to understand a doctrine of sin. And some of you, even as I talk about that this morning, you're like, Tim, why do we have to talk about the bad news? I mean, it's Christmas. You guys have decorations. The lights, it's so pretty. Why do we have to talk about the bad news around Christmas? 
Listen, you'll never grasp the weight of this salvation if you don't grasp the weight of your sin. Jesus himself shares some of this as he grows up, becomes a man. Mark 7, he says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, lots of bad news. Envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Romans 3 says all of sin. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. And so the reality is, is there's bad news. But that's what makes the good news so great. That's what makes the good news give us great joy is that in the midst of that bad news, God has sent a Savior. He sent exactly what we need. He sent the Son of God to save us from this bad news, to save us out of this sin, to rescue us out of that sin, and to deliver us and bring new life to our souls. That that's good news. No matter your social class, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your personality, a Savior has come, and that's amazing news. It's good news, great joy for all people. So if you're here this morning, you're not really sure about the bad news, good news thing, not really sure if you've ventured into that process, if that resonates or doesn't resonate with you, could it be that you don't understand your sin? Could it be, as Spurgeon said, that you treat your sin lightly so you treat the Savior lightly as well? We need to consider that as we look at this good news because it should bring us great joy, even as we read it this morning. I know yesterday Stephen talked about it, the Christmas in the park. This was amazing. I mean, honestly, if you weren't there, a lot of you were, but if you weren't there, you missed out. I mean, it was an amazing sight to see, even as I walked up, to see crowds and crowds and lines and lines of kids and families waiting to get toys. There were so many kids and families there that they couldn't let everybody in at once. They had to do sections of people at a time, which was amazing because we didn't just give them toys. We got to share the good news of the gospel. And so I got to kick off the event in prayer and talk about PBC because it's right across the street. And we got to talk about Jesus. And every time a section of people would come in, they would stand on this outdoor basketball court. And somebody who's bilingual would speak it in Spanish and speak it in English, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this good news, this great joy for all people. It was an amazing day. I think there was 1,500 kids that received gifts. But listen, if we only gave them gifts, that would be short-sighted. If we only gave them gifts, gifts that honestly you guys contributed to, thank you for doing that over the last few weeks. But if we only gave them those gifts, they would be happy for a few days. But they would never experience this great joy. So we had to give them more than gifts. We had to give them this good news that a Savior has Come And we handed out Bibles, and listen, they ran out quickly because this is good news. And we were able to proclaim that yesterday, not just give gifts, but give this amazing news that a Savior has come. And it's a different kind of Savior. Look at verse 11. It's a Savior like the world has never seen or ever will see again. Verse 11 says he's Christ and Lord. So he's Christ. That looks back to the Old Testament and the anointed one promised in 2 Samuel 7, that he's the Lord's anointed, the culmination of this hope 
this promise from the Old Testament that he's Christ, the coming Messiah, the anointed one, that he's Lord. Lord was typically ascribed to the Roman emperor. It was also ascribed to property owners, that they were Lord, that they were owners, they were in charge. But listen, all those titles of Lord were given by man. All those designations of Lord were designations from other men or from themselves. This title of Lord for Jesus is given by God. That he is Lord over all, that he is the one who's in charge. Do you see that? That he's Christ, that he's Lord, that he's the one in charge, and he's going to save us from our sins. That's good news. What do we do with that good news? What do we do with that good news? Well, we see it in our culture all the time. We see it with the new Star Wars movie. Right? People are proclaiming this good news. Like this movie's coming out. Some people are camping out right now. We need to help them. We need to go share the good news with them. But they're proclaiming this good news like you got to see this movie. I have friends that tell me this one's so different. George Lucas is not as involved. It's going to be so much better. I mean, the plot line, I mean, you got to understand all the characters, the story behind the stories. There's so much there, and you see people that get excited about Star Wars, and what do they do? They tweet about it. They post it. They post a video, and they say things like, and put a bunch of emojis next to it, and you're not even sure what that means, but you can tell they're excited. (laughs) And maybe for you it's not Star Wars, but maybe for you it's Harry Potter. You know who you are. I heard your laughter. (laughs) Maybe for you it's Harry Potter, and you're like, I got all the books. It's amazing. I mean, they're little magicians, but they do so much. And you get so excited about Harry Potter. If you haven't read the books, you got to read them. you got to read them. I think there's a museum that you got to go to that talks about Harry Potter. you got to see it. I haven't seen the movies. And so people proclaim to me all the time, you got to go see it. It's so good. What do we do with good news? We talk about it, right? We don't keep it to ourselves. We talk about it. We proclaim that good news because we think this is so good. Some other people need to hear it. My son, Ashwin, he's three, and he's in this phase right now where every time I leave the house, every time I leave the house, he does the same thing. I'm about to drive off, and he bursts into the garage, (laughs) and he says, Daddy, Daddy, roll down your window. So I roll down my window, and I say, yeah, buddy, what is it? And he just says, you know, remember that time we went to Marcus's house? Marcus, a friend of his. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, I remember. And he's like, remember? And he starts to bounce up and down. He's like, remember the toys and the Spider-Man car and the Batman car and the trucks? And it was so fun. You remember that? And I'm about to pull out of the driveway. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, I remember that. Love you. See you later. And he's like, okay, Daddy, bye. Listen, his friend Marcus, where he played with the Spider-Man car and the Batman car and the trucks, that happened a few months ago. (laughs) And he did it this week. He's still talking about it. He's still bursting through the garage door as if it happened yesterday. Why? Because it's good news. Because he wants to tell me about it. Because he can't wait to tell me about it. He's got to bounce in his step to tell me about Marcus's house. Because it was so amazing. Listen, we have the best news 
in human history. What do we need to do with that? We need to proclaim it. We need to get a bounce in our step, right? Now, don't go chase after a car. Cute for my three-year-old, creepy for you. Don't do that. Don't get that excited. But it is a good news worth sharing. And listen, Christmas is the easiest time of the year to talk about it, right? Like people have little baby Jesuses in their front lawn. They have them on their mantle. And listen, some of them don't know who Jesus really is. There's never a better time to talk about Jesus, to proclaim this good news than at Christmas, right? I mean, it could be as simple as this, like, hey, what's that huge baby Jesus in your yard? Where did you get that? Why did you get that? Is that a tradition that you guys do as a family? Do you believe Jesus grew up and became a man? Do you think he really died? Do you think that's just fiction, just hopeful? And you just start talking about Jesus through a nativity scene. There's no better time to proclaim this good news, this great joy for all people. And I know as I say that, some of you are thinking, like, well, what if they say no? And what if there's awkward silence? What if they change the subject? And what if that happens? Well, you need to know what happens, right? It happens to me. It happens. But what about the times when it doesn't happen? Like I know yesterday, Christmas in the park, we brought Bibles. We brought some kids' Bibles in Spanish. We brought some adult Bibles in Spanish. We brought some regular Bibles, some other kids' Bibles. And oh me of little faith, I brought like maybe 60 Bibles. Because I was thinking these kids are going to want these toys. They're not going to want these Bibles. They're going to run by me and give me the Heisman as they go grab their toys, right? They're not going to want the Bible. Man, these families, these moms, these dads wanted these Bibles. They were gone in 30 minutes. One time it got super awkward because there was two moms, and they wanted this action Bible. Have you seen this Bible? It's awesome, right? It's like the Bible in a comic book form. Scripture, fun for kids, the truth of Scripture in a way kids can understand it. And they see this Bible, and two women grabbed it at one time. And they both literally had their hands on it. And I had to be the person to decide who would get this Bible. So awkward. But one of them got it, and they were so excited because they wanted to hear this good news. You see, we often think of like, well, what if they say no? What if it's awkward? What if it isn't? It could change their life for eternity. And listen, some of those people, I don't know if they're here today. I don't know if we'll get to talk to them again. But they have the Bible, the word of God in their hands in a language they can read it in. We got to talk to them about Jesus as we're standing there with them. And their life could be changed for eternity. Next time we need to bring more Bibles. Right? What if they don't say no? What if we just told one person? What if you just told one person, that person you're thinking about, family, friend, neighbor, Starbucks, somebody you don't even know, what if you just told one person this good news? What would happen with that? What if you just invited one person to church? What would happen with that? Next Sunday is a great opportunity to do that. December 20th, our Christmas service. We're going to have little kids singing Christmas songs up here. It's going to be so cute. It's going to be awesome. 
After the service, we're going to have hot cocoa and cookies. During the service, they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's enough reason alone. What if you invited one person next Sunday? We could double this place if everybody did that. We could double this place, and it wouldn't just be like, oh, we're growing as a church and booming. No, it would be that there's more people who are learning what it means to love Jesus and live like him because you invited somebody. Because you didn't think about the barriers of what if they said no, what if it's awkward, and you ventured out and you said, I'm going to ask. And so we saw that at Christmas in the park. I see that in my own life, and I know it's a struggle, but there's a guy that works next to me during the week. And we have this workspace downtown, and I don't know if he knows Jesus or not, um, and I'm thinking through, like, I should invite him to our church. Like, I'm the pastor, right? (laughs) I should invite him. And I'm thinking, well, no, like, what if he says no, and then we work next to each other, like, right next to each other? That's, that could be awkward, right? And so I thought about that, prayed about it, got the courage up, and I invited him. And you know what he said? He said, don't ever talk to me about that again. No, right? <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, I would be honored to bring my family to your church. What if they don't say no? What would God do if we had that mentality as a church to proclaim this good news, to get a little bounce in our step? Because it's good news, it's great joy, and it's for all people. Aren't you glad somebody did that for you? Listen, aren't you glad somebody proclaimed this good news to you? That's why you're here. We need to extend it to others as we rejoice with them. And you see the angels rejoicing over this good news. In verse 13, look at that verse. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see these angels rejoicing over this good news, and they say two things. They say glory to God. That's our adoration. That's our praise to God. That's ascribing worth to God. God, that they're rejoicing over this good news and they're saying glory to God, that it all goes to him. And then they say peace on earth, but they give a caveat. They say to those he is pleased with. This is where we get that phrase peace on earth that you see on all the decorations. But some of you, as you look at the details of that, this disclaimer of what's to those he is pleased with, maybe you're thinking, well, that's not that good news. I mean, I thought it was good news, great joy, all people. This seems like it's more narrow than that. It's to just the people he's pleased with. So listen, is it good news, great joy for all people? Yes, it is. But here's the distinction. It's only, the peace only comes to you. You only get to experience that peace if you trust in Jesus and actually experience it for yourself. And so some of you are wondering right now, like, is God pleased with me? Am I one of these people that his peace resides with. And what I would say is there's only one way to know, and it's not based on your ability. Romans 5.1 speaks to this really well. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have peace with God, right standing with God, favor with God, not because of what we have done, but solely because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. That we have peace with God By faith, not some moral checklist. 
See, sometimes I think we get Jesus and Santa confused. Maybe it's because of the season. But we get Jesus and Santa confused, and we may not say it, but subconsciously we think of Jesus as some guy upstairs. He's up there way high, and he's keeping this list, and he's checking it twice, and he's looking at all of you, and he's checking all the times you've been good, checking all the times you've been bad. And because of that, he's blessing you if you've been good. He's depriving you if you've been bad. And what scripture says is the opposite. It's by grace through faith, Ephesians 2. That it's nothing that you have done. That we're all dead before a holy God and we need to be made alive. And that's how we get this peace. So listen, if you're here this morning, you're wondering like, well, is God pleased with me? Do I have peace that he describes? Do you know Jesus? That's the one question you need to ask. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you looked to Jesus, his person and his work, and said, Jesus, I believe in you. I give my life to you. I believe that you lived, you died, and you resurrected on my behalf so I could know God. If you've done that, you can experience this peace. It's not by anything else. There's no other checklist that matters. It's only that, have you done that? If you haven't, I would invite you to do that now. I would invite you just to take a moment where you're seated and do that privately, do that quietly. You can stop listening to me and start talking to Jesus and tell him you believe in him and you trust him. And then you can experience this peace. And that's, that's when we meet on Sundays. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to experience this peace this morning. Do that now. What do the shepherds do with this good news after they hear all this, after they hear the angels? They say, let's go, verse 15. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see him. It says they went with haste. Notice they don't do some other things. They don't say maybe later. They don't say, like, let's debate this for a while and figure it out if it's true. It says they go with haste and they go to Bethlehem to see Jesus and experience this good news for themselves. And some of you might think, well, that's different. I mean, that was a different day. I mean, if I had an angel come down and he was glowing and he said, hey, this is Jesus over here, like, I would run too. I would go see Jesus too. I would let go of everything just like they did and I would run and go see Jesus also. Like, if that were to happen to me, that's what I would do too. But do you really think you would? I mean, just think about this scene. This angel shows up, they're terrified, and then a host of angels comes Imagine they were a little bit more terrified, probably hiding behind their biggest sheep at this point. Not sure what's going on. And the angel says, do not fear, but he says, there's going to be a baby in a manger who's going to save the world. Do you think after hearing that, that you would run right to Bethlehem to see Jesus? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't. You think about the responses they could have had. I mean, they could have remained in the field, frozen by fear. They could have ran the opposite direction because that was crazy. They could have refuted this claim, this weird claim that a baby and a stable and a manger and all these things is gonna be the savior of the world. They could have debated that amongst each other, but we don't see that in this text. It says, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. And they went with haste. They left everything, they let go, and they went to see Jesus so that they could experience this good news for themselves. This morning, what do you need to let go of so you can experience Jesus for yourself? What are those things in your life? 
Is it an addiction that you hide? Maybe it's big, maybe it's small, but you're wrapped up in it. And if you're honest, you're holding that tightly. And Jesus is saying, run to me with haste. Come to me. There's this good news. And you're saying, I want to. I like Jesus, but I'm not sure. Like, I really like this addiction. It really has a hold of me. And you can't let go. And you can't go with haste to Jesus. Maybe it's your stuff. Specifically at Christmas time. And you think, man, the bills are coming. The finances are tight. And I know I should leave those things behind and, and see Jesus amidst all this chaos. But you don't let go. Maybe it's a relationship that you know deep down inside. It's depriving you of seeing Jesus for yourself, and you're unwilling to let that go. Maybe it's fear, like the shepherds had. That initial fear of like, what is about to happen? Will I be known? Will I be found out? Maybe it's fear for you, and you're holding that so tightly, and Jesus is calling you, let it go. Go see Jesus. Go see him. Experience this good news for yourself. What is that for you? I was watching a pastor recently, and he used an illustration to, to describe this and to explain this. And what he did was he invited this kid on stage, and they had a chair with a little small hole in it. And on the other side of that hole, they had a paddle ball. And the kid was supposed to stick his hand through the hole and grab the paddle ball. And he was really excited. This 50-cent paddle ball, right? A little paddle, the ball. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So he's grabbing this paddle ball through the hole, and the guy tells him, like, if you let go of this, like, I have something better for you. And the kid's just in disbelief, like, I got my paddle, paddle ball. What else do I need in life, right? He's excited about this paddle ball, and so he's holding it, but he can't leave because he, he can't pull it through the hole. You got this picture? So he's grabbing it. The guy says, hey, there's this other thing over here. It's way better. If you'll let go of this, you can have that. And he tells him what it is that it's a gift card about five feet over, and it was on the podium, so he couldn't see it, but it was a gift card over here. And he said, if you'll let go of this paddle ball over here and walk over here and grab this gift card, it's a gift card to a toy store, and you can buy 50 of those paddle balls. But you gotta trust me. You gotta let go of this paddle ball, and you gotta walk over and go grab the gift card. And the kid's holding this paddle ball, and he's like, no way I'm letting go. I'm taking this paddle ball home with me. And about this time, the crowd starts to get involved. I mean, it's a kid. And they just start to plead with him, like, let go. I don't know if you know how gift cards work, but you can buy a lot more of these paddle balls. Like, and they're just pleading with him, like, let, let go. You, you can do it. Let go. Go get the gift card. Go get it. But he didn't let go, and he went home with that paddle ball, and was so excited, and he missed out on the gift card that was so much better. Listen, how many times are you and I this morning, we're in that place, and we're holding so tightly to something we think is so valuable, and God is saying, let go. There's something better. He's saying, let go of that addiction. It's not worth it. Let go of your stuff. You're not going to find fulfillment there. Let go of that relationship. It's not best for you. Let go of your fear that I'm good and I love you and I want to rescue you. That he's saying, let go, and we're just holding on tight and we won't do it because we don't trust that he is better. And this morning, God is pleading with you, let go. 
let go of whatever you're thinking and feeling right now and go see Jesus. Experience this good news for yourself because he is better. Listen, through Jesus, the Savior Christ, the Lord, you can know God. You can have great joy in God. You can have peace with God. Do you see that this morning? All of those other things that you're holding on to, good and bad, pale in comparison to the Savior of the world that was sent for you, that came for you. We need to let go and run with haste to Jesus wherever you are this morning. I hope as we look at this passage, I hope you've learned some new things about a familiar story. But I want to give you a big idea to walk away with. You can write these things down. It's just two things. The first thing is this, that you would see yourself as God sees you. Write that down. It's a big idea from today, that you would see yourself as God sees you. Some of you are thinking right now, I'm not sure this good news is for me. I'm not sure I'm supposed to experience this good news. I'm not sure I can proclaim this good news. Some of you, that's what you're thinking. You need to see yourself as God sees you. I mean, look at the shepherds. The world saw them very, very differently, lowly, humble, unimportant, ignored. But God saw an instrument to deliver and to proclaim the Son of God. Do you see it? See yourself as God sees you. You are someone, listen, you are someone that Jesus came for. You are someone that Jesus died for. See yourself as God sees you. The second thing is to see others as God sees them. See others as God sees them. That they are people, that everyone around you, that they are people who Jesus loves, who he came for, who he died for. And listen, when you begin to see other people like that, it changes everything. That it compels you to proclaim this good news. When you see people how God sees them, it compels you. You can't help but share this good news, this great joy for all people. Listen, as we look at this Christmas story, as we enter into this Christmas season, there is a good news that gives us great joy that's for all people. Will you express it? Will you proclaim it? And will you experience it for yourself? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this good news, this great joy that's for all people. And God, I pray this Christmas season that we wouldn't get so numb to the story that we miss out on experiencing it for ourselves, that we miss out on expressing it to others. God, we would let go of what we need to let go of, that by your spirit, I pray even now that you would let that happen in this room, that there would be men and women who would say, you know, there's some things I need to let go of, and maybe it's small, maybe it's big, but that we would collectively as a church body run to Jesus with haste because there's good news, there's great joy for all people. A Savior has come. That's what we celebrate. And so even as we respond, God, I pray for those who don't know you, I pray that they would trust in you for the first time. That they would say just simply, Jesus, I believe in you. I give my life to you. I believe you died. And I believe you rose for me so that I could experience peace with God. God, for those of us who do know you, I pray that you would renew a sense of wonder, a sense of wonder for this good news, that we would proclaim it to everybody we 
need because it's so, so good. Because once upon a time, somebody proclaimed it to us and that we would express that to others. What if we did that? God, I pray that we would see that come to fruition over this Christmas season. We would see you change lives for eternity. And Father, we ask that now. It's by your spirit, through your word, and in the name of Jesus, amen.